Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, the co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com. Joining me this week, he's back. He's back. The season has started. He's back. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing uh, for people. That people enjoyed all the all the interviews. A lot of them long that I've done uh, since you you've been focusing on all of your best ball uh, tweets. And from uh, your tweets, Eric, some people have said, some people have said, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, that you've been blenderized. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that uh, that is probably a pretty a pretty fair assessment. It's 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 just the easiest way to get points across. Right. And I only have so many characters on Twitter and and it also triggers some people, which is always good for for engagement. So you're trying to I'm trying I'm trying to be a nicer human. Uh, I'm trying to be friendly. I'm trying to be all that. But you have to kind of toe the line if you want to get the engagement on your tweets and stuff. So telling people all the research they did all summer really doesn't fucking matter, really gets the people uh, upset. But you're not saying anything too mean. So I am trying to I'm trying to be a blend between me and and you, I guess. I right. Say. I could that's it down to, to just play whoever you want. And then just like, <laughs> like, what do you mean play whoever you want? Or like, that's kind of whatever. That's that's kind of what it is. You have to take more of a nihilistic approach. Mm-hmm. to uh, especially small sample sizes when it comes to NFL. And uh, for, for this first week, uh, Eric, because obviously for people that have not tuned in since last season, uh, this show is primarily, but most people think it's an interview show. It's really, it's a show between <laughs> me and you as Sharp DFS players talking about our strategic decisions. Just so happens that you you get involved with other things and you're gone for a while and I need, mm-hmm. I want to still do the show. So people right. come on. But entering this first week of the season, so many people have have said the first week we don't know we don't know shit, right? We do not know shit. People will study the preseason and think they could find something out from there. But of course, this this is when teams work on stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that they're going to necessarily play that way in the regular season. Uh, did you take more of an approach? Uh, how far away? From we don't know shit to well you got to know some shit in order to in order to build lineups. I mean, I mean we're. I mean, I think we could both say that uh, the the approach, the probably the sharper approach to take this past slate was to almost like look at these three K wide receivers and go, don't act either t- one of two things. Don't act like you know, like that they're actually going to get the work. And number two, even if they do, if they put up twelve points, it may not even matter. Yeah, that that was that was the biggest thing, kind of as the week played out. Like when I first opened it up, and you know, you had super early ownership projections on Roto Grinders, and and some of those guys weren't looking to be super popular. And then just kind of as you as as the week plays out, and everybody sees how you can build how you can build lineups, it was very very clear how everyone was going to build and how much they were going to gravitate towards those those three K wide receivers. So that was you know I, I know we anybody that hasn't listened, but uh, you know I play mostly you know one to three lineups or something. I played three lineups yesterday and uh, uh, yesterday Sunday whatever. Um, I played played three lineups in week one. And yeah, pretty much X'd out all, all those guys. And um, I actually didn't play Christian McCaffrey either. So um, I was kind of living in this this mid range. Uh, and, and that was kind of the, the clearest path, I thought. And, and what really I thought was was kind of 
an interesting part of that, and I talked to Ben Gretsch, who I'm doing a Sunday morning show on Rotor Grinders now with, we kind of talked about it. Like if you really take a step back and think about four tournaments and upside um, on week one, like you could, you could, you know, to use your phrase, play whoever you wanted, even if you lived like in that mid tier. Like you, you, there was no real salary cap constraints, you know, even if, yeah, I mean, you, do you want Travis Kelsey? Do you want Tyree Kill? Even then you didn't even have to go to those, to those $3,000 wide receivers, but everybody did that. And then, you know, jammed McCaffrey, Kamara, Dalvin Cook. And so I just thought it was so, so blatantly clear that like, if you lived and now I didn't hit on the right guys, obviously. Right. Cause you, but cause you, you could get the right construction. You just still need, you still need the right guys. Like for, yeah. for, for, for instance, I was focused more on the the mid-range running backs. Yeah. Uh, the problem came in. It was a weird dynamic uh, before Locke. It, 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 it surprised me more than anything else. And mm-hmm. I discussed this on the pregame show with, uh, with James on, on Monday, that typically any late news, especially on Sunday, is not reacted to anywhere near as much as anything that we find out Wednesday, Thursday, or whatever. Yep. I, I originally had in, in the, in the Millie I'm talking about, because that's what most ownership projections are. Uh, seven to 10% from uh, Raheem Mostert. Yeah. Like that, that's what I had. Like I going into it and I didn't think uh, he didn't project well, but also all the projections had Trey Sermon in sharing, you know, in 20, 25%, 30% of the work. On, for, yeah. for Shanahan, who is known for rotating his running backs as it is. Uh, and then Mike Davis projected well, decently well already. Uh, and then Gallman was inactive and Sermon were inactive. And it kind of bumped these guys up further. Like if you, if you, if you went to updated projections, Davis got an extra points, Muster got mm-hmm. extra points, but not, not to that much extent as you would think. Yeah. Uh, I was shocked to see uh, opening up the DraftKings app and see Raheem Mostert as one of the highest on running backs on the slate. And if we look at the game changer, which I did, I wasn't even able to get in. The, the contest filled too quickly. They filled so early. Right. I was like, okay, I have to decide whether or not I'm going to play the game changer. I played eight single entry, three max lineups. Okay. And then I played my whole large field builds. That's still yeah. separate. Uh, but like the game changer lineup, I would have played. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think I would have gotten there. Uh, was uh, Russell Wilson? I would. I would have overstacked that game. Russell Wilson, Metcalf, Lockett, Everett, mm-hmm. Pittman, and then uh, found a way to play Mike Davis with Devontae Smith. Like to have a mid range running back yep. paired with an opposing wide receiver, and then. Yep. Probably end up on probably end up on Raheem Mostert in the second <laughs> right. run, running back slot. Uh, so that's what I'm saying. I don't know if that that construction would have actually gotten there, but uh, I was I was focusing more on uh, the pro that uh, on the mid range running backs only because uh, the construction was barbelled. So I believe that if I stayed away from the three K wide receivers, if I stayed away from the uh, non Derrick Henry high end running backs that like in order to play like one, you could play one of the two. If you wanted to play one three K wide receiver level wide receiver, one high end running back, you could still make a fairly balanced build with the rest of your lineup. Mm-hmm. But once you put in two, once you put in 
two, you're now now you're being led to all like you're being led to two v twos rather than five v fives, and I I kind of live I kind of lived in in that in that zone, kind mm-hmm. of staying staying away from the constructions that needed those two. So I landed on more Mixin. The problem with Mixin is that I typically had Justin Jefferson across from him, and Same. not Adam Thielen. And yep. my my uh, Tyler Lockett's and and DK Metcalf's had Pittman or Paris <laughs> Campbell mm-hmm. on the other side, and not Zach Pascal. Even though I'd still yep. had some Zach Pascal, but like I left, like I still had in my large large field some Callaway, some Elijah Moore, yep. some 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 of those guys. But way under, and but they fit in line. If you looked at the lineups, they fit in lineups where, like. Yeah, you could play you could play Callaway in that lineup. And I'm playing <laughs> yeah. Callaway. I played a lot of Aaron Jones. Living in that mid-range, sixty eight hundred dollar running back. I'm like, how do I play Callaway or any of the Saints in a lineup that makes me more because I think Callaway Adams, that combination would be used. So I'm like, let me yep. let me fill in these mid-range running backs. Obviously that game didn't get there. Yep. Uh but you mentioned I, I wanted to have a, a small conversation. Uh Listening to you on the the, the the morning, Sunday morning show with Gretch was different. Like, it's weird. Uh, I listened to uh, Adam, Ship My Money, because that awesome mode, they do a show at nine in the morning. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I typically tune into that because we don't, because Roto Grinders doesn't do, doesn't start until 1030. So mm-hmm. I like hearing Josh and Adam talk about the slate. And then I hear you guys talk about it at 1130. You both had different different opinions that were both right, and yeah. I lean more on the side of Adam. So, like what you said on the on the on the, on your show was Kyle Pitts was the easiest place to get leverage, right? Just like he's going to be the, probably the highest known player on the slate. He's forty four hundred at tight end, and tight end sucks typically. Mm-hmm. So there's so many ways to play, either pay up and just play Kittle or Kelsey, or you pay up a little, you play Hawkinson, or you could find. Fine, Conklin, Croft, uh, you know, Everett. Everett. I mean, or just yep. pair whatever stack you're using. If you're using Trevor Lawrence, James O'Shaughnessy. There you go. Like, <laughs> yeah, like right. how much more, like, should Kyle Pitts be 35% owned where all these other tight ends are 5% owned? And I believe you're right. If you're using tight end as a, as a leverage point. Now, mm-hmm. what Adam said, which what I built primarily for, uh, it's not like I, I was over on Kyle Pitts, but... Looking at Kyle Pitts at 4,400, you have to look underneath and go, obviously, if you play Kelsey, your construction's just going to be different because it's not mm. it's not a 1v1 anymore. Kittle's not a 1v1. So the only tight ends that I'm worried about with Kyle Pitts, let's say Kyle Pitts scores 12, right? An average, like not a ceiling game, but an average game. How many, how many of these tight ends underneath 4,400 can score 12? Like... Like the mm-hmm. only way that I get burned by Kyle Pitts is if a cheaper tight end significantly outscores. I'm not talking if Kyle Pitts has 12 and this tight end is 16. Like how much am I that much behind? I'm four points behind. So looking at the tight ends below him, I just felt like if I could get Kyle Pitts 12, like I'm still fine. I'm I'm not going to beat out Kelsey's 25. You're right, but I'm not paying 4,000 more. I I I get that from a wide receiver instead instead of Kelsey, yeah. right? So, yeah. uh, I'm assuming in your builds, you built three lineups. Did you, I mean, did you have Kyle Pitts in any of the three? 
No, no, I didn't. I didn't play. I didn't play any Kyle Pitts, and I I think about it a little bit differently. And maybe it was just the way that I ended up building because of like what you said. I was on the exact same thing, living in that mid range at, at running back. So like that that was actually probably where I started. Even even before like the Kyle Pitts leverage point, it was the the kind of flipping the build or you know whatever people want to say at that, fl- that mid range. The construction on its head. Yes, we flipped. The slate was flipped on its head repeatedly on Sunday. It was flipped on its head. But so it was originally like, okay, I, I kind of looked at those running backs. And when you also, when you think about it from a macro perspective, like Joe Mixon at 6,200, right? Even, you know, Najee sucked, but like even Najee Harris at, you know, around 6K, Mostert after the, the sermon thing, Mike Davis, there was this. I mean, there was a ton. Antonio Gibson, I played Antonio Gibson. There was a ton of guys in that in that tier that I like, if we look back in a month on this slate and those guys are that price, like they're going to be the absolute stone cold chalk, but just because of the slate dynamics, you know, they, I, I know, you know, Mostert and Mixon and some of those guys picked up some ownership, but it wasn't to the extent that we might see in the future. So that was definitely part of it. So then once I kind of established that fact, it became this like basically kind of a 2v2 game and every time i went to one of those punt tight ends i was able to get a wide receiver like a uh you know i played the i played a lot of the panthers the panthers passing game which is you know part of why i didn't have christian mccaffrey and so like i can get dj Moore, i can get robbie anderson i played keenan allen with with antonio gibson right getting into like that i I wanted to get into that tier of wide receiver too um where I was, I was able to live, you know, let's just call it 6K or whatever. Um, I played a Bills, I played a Bills stack, so I had Stefan Diggs, and it was able to, it allowed me to get up to Claypool or or Juju or Deontay or whatever as my bring back on that. So it was just kind of how I ended up building, where my, that leverage at tight end ended up. I kind of needed the the, the cheaper guys. Um, now, obviously, in in retrospect, goddamn, why didn't I just play, you know, like the Mahomes stacks or whatever, and and play Kelsey? But it's easy to say now. But like, same thing as what you said. I think it was kind of like both both right, and I was leaning more on that kind of mid tier build and the the stacks I was targeting. Kind of required that I get that you know extra two thousand dollars or whatever to spend at wide receiver. Right. I saw. I played some Mahomes. <laughs> In a single entry three max, but I didn't play the double stack. The problem I saw with the double stack, obviously this is in, in hindsight, but I I believe I I believe I would be accurate to say that if you played the double, so you're playing eighty two hundred for Hill and you're paying eighty three hundred for Kelsey and you're paying eighty whatever hundred for yeah. Mahomes, it would lead you to two mid range running backs and you still had to play three K wide receiver. Like it mm-hmm. still ended up like it got me to the mid range running backs, which is what I wanted to do. But now I'm stuck with, uh, with having to play Marvin Jones or Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore, like all those, all those guys in that range. It's like, but the only way that works out is if, uh, if the chiefs stack just goes nuts and that's, and obviously Tyreek has 40 points, Kelsey is 25 yeah. and Mahomes is 38. Yes. That will work in that case, but uh, in most cases, I I just I just wanted to avoid these three K guys. Mm-hmm. I wanted to play someone like in the mid. I was play, I was living more in the forty five hundred ish. I was I was like similar guys, but like they're much better. Like I'm playing Corey Davis as yeah. as obviously because Elijah Moore is chalk on the yep. other side. Dev- I tons Jamar of Devon- Chase, right? Jamar Devante Chase, Smith. Devontae Smith, yep. Higgins. I'm playing yep. kind of a lot in Pittman, that range mm-hmm. uh, of types of types of receivers. Uh, and that also lets me go up to, 
you know, a, a premium tight end from from Pitts, or mm-hmm. allows me to go to a premium running back uh, with Pitts. Uh, but the thing that the thing that, that I to go back to this this uh, this monster thing, which which go which which goes along with one a tweet that you had this morning about what we talk about next week's slate. Uh, mm-hmm. In the past, it, it's twenty twenty one. Like we had, like literally, I said this to James on Monday last year. What was it was week thirteen, week fourteen. Ezekiel Elliott inactive, like unexpected, <laughs> completely, right? Tony Pollard's like nine percent owned. I mean, like I'm jamming him into sixty percent of my lineups, and even in the higher stakes, he ended up coming in at like like eighteen, right? Yeah, so still I way remember. higher. That was information that we knew 90 minutes before locked that if you, you were using projections anywhere, Pollard became the, the basically the top point per dollar play of the season, <laughs> right? Like of the entire season at that point mm-hmm. and nine, like nine, 10% owned in the large field and like almost maybe 20 in the small field. Ryan Mostert goes from like 10% ownership to 30% ownership in the same, same way. And, it's not like even in projections, it's not like he was jamming in. He was, he, yep. he ended up being very similar to Mike Davis or, or uh, Joe Mixon in that range. Like if you don't, mm-hmm. if you originally had Mixon and he said, I'm going to go down 400 and get mustard. Like then, then I get it. Right. Yep. Uh, but it's not like the type of thing I got to jam this guy into like a hundred percent of my lineups. Although some people did. Uh, and the same thing with the Mike Davis news with Galbin being inactive what my question is like how come how come as early as not even a year ago right in nfl terms right so in in two and a half months of nfl dfs terms did the field like nowhere come close to react properly for that pollard thing but in this instance like i went oh i i played about in large field i played about 22 percent Ryan mostard assuming i was going to be double the field Right. right, assuming that, so I'm building my lineups based on that, and then when I see he's, he's in the five dollar milli, he was uh twenty three point six percent owned, and I go, I'm actually I'm actually in the efficient range now. Uh, do you believe like your tweet? Because you, we'll we'll talk about uh, are people going to overreact? Because my favorite week is week two. Uh, yeah. Is you you said that. Are, people aren't going to quote overreact as usual because so many more people are utilizing uh, subscription sites and and yep. and projections and optimizers and are are on the pulse. They're listening to more stuff, reading more articles from smarter people. That those overreacts, like those ga- the game log watching, is not is not going to be there. Do you, do you think that's that that it highlights your point more? The fact that look at look at Mostert's ownership in ninety minutes before lock, or do you think that the Mostert thing was an aberration? I think it's possibly a little bit of both. I was also surprised by the the Mostert ownership. He was one of my guys, which was also really frustrating because he was one of my plays that I liked a ton for tournaments before the sermon news, and I really was like I was going to play him, you know, in at least one of my lineups probably two. And then I made sure to play him into after the ownership, you know, kind of, kind of bump. But I, again, same thing as you, I didn't expect 
that, but I wanted to like kind of make a stand on him after I knew he was going to get at least a little bit, a little bit of steam. However, the amount of steam that he got, yeah, becoming one of the highest owned running backs of the slate, I thought Eric, was Eric. Eric, he was forty one percent owned in the game changer. I know, I know. It's it's absolutely it's absolutely ridiculous. I, I I did not see that see that coming. And what I think it's a little bit of some of the stuff we talked about last year, where you know you remember remember the. Uh, Cowboys Giants game after after the cow that you know, Dak was still healthy and the Cowboys had just scored like you know seven million. Uh, we're, we're talking about it. when when everyone saw that and like oh that's obviously the chalk and whatever and then it actually came in as the third highest owned stack yeah. instead of the number one. And so there's so much more. Everyone is galaxy braining each other. I feel like right now and we we get a, a few more of the you know this is the opposite end of that right where everybody sees Raheem Mostert ten percent owned. They see sermons out, and I know that everybody probably thought the same thing as like you and I did. He's going to get an ownership bump, but it's probably not going to be enough. Was essentially kind of what my thought process was, and so everybody's thinking that. All you know, and the game changer is a lot of the the you know the sharper players, and so they're like, okay, they see Mixon's kind of the popular guy right there, um, you know, and then you have the elite guys, whatever. Mostert just screams this natural tournament pivot. And so everybody, and so that, and so that's what everybody does. Yeah, but that we saw it, but we did not as much of an effect. And I can understand your point from uh, in in the game changer, the luxury box, yeah, like level fifteen hundred, three thousand dollar level, really small field, you know, mm. hundred to three hundred entry type of thing because it's it's people that pay it. It's mostly people that pay attention or people that are just throwing in their cash lineup, and the cash lineup would obviously have all those chalky players in it. Yeah. But yeah. to have it in the, the the milli be that way, I mean, Elijah Moore was thirty one percent owned in the game changer. He was nine percent owned in the in the five dollar milli. So like he he got ownership, but I'm just saying like Elijah Moore was like Callaway got twenty percent in the milli, uh, and twenty seven percent in the game changer. But like if you, it, it's hard for to, to wrap my head around the fact that people. In the in the five dollar milli, which had one point two million entries, okay, uh, were were quote sharp enough to play uh, Mostert after Sermon got inactive, yet only played nine percent of Elijah Moore, right? Yeah. Like it, it it it's like you would I would figure I mean ETR, uh, nothing against uh, ETR as a site, but I'm not. I'm I'm not too sure uh, manually massaging ownership projections is is the best way to do it. There there should be manual massaging, but I I, I think I, I believe ETR goes a little. I think it's 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 hard for me to say this without saying that Levitan is bad at projecting ownership. But I I believe that they take themselves into account too much. Because mm. I look at I I aggregate ownership throughout the throughout the industry. I subscribe everywhere. Mm-hmm. So when I see them projecting Elijah Moore for 28% ownership in the $5 milli, I go, I call bullshit on that. Like, like, but I, I still, ex- I, I, I expected 18%, right? right? And right. he ended up coming in at 9%, right? So how, being that difference there of I'm expecting 18, ETR is expecting 28, uh, he comes in at nine. So you go, oh, if he only came in at 9% ownership, like these are people that aren't as attentive to right. at least content and everything like that. Uh, then how come how come most are just also twenty four percent don't? 
Like, like, like that, that's the hard part of like, I know if they're paying attention to content, if they're, if they're on Twitter going, Oh, but, cause you're going to see the, the season long people, right. With the tweets at, at 1135 or whatever. Uh, we, we've moved up Moster to RB three on the, on the week, right? We've moved this, you know, he's a must start. Now we, we moved him from sits to starts. You know, you see all of that. Mm-hmm. And there are, these people are also playing DFS. Like how come, how come Rondell Moore is only 5% owned in the Millie maker yet? Mostert went from like, unless, unless I'm, 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 I'm making the wrong assumption here. Unless I'm the, the own, it could be this. The ownership projection originally of Mostert from seven to ten percent was off, and people just saw the 49ers against the Lions. I'm going to play yeah. a fifty-eight hundred dollar running back, and maybe Mostert, without the news, would have been eighteen percent owned in the Millie as it was. And the thing that backs me up on that, on that kind of theory, James Robinson was twenty-two percent owned in the five dollar Millie. Jesus now, Christ. James Robinson, for his price on FanDuel, I yep. understood. Yep. But in comparison to other running backs and the construction you were making on DraftKings, 22.8% owned is way <laughs> over-owned. So does that, like, people look at James Robinson, they look at the Texans, and they go, Jaguars are a favorite. I'm taking a favorite running back in the mid-range. They may have thought the same exact thing. Like, is it, the, is it due to the fact, maybe... Maybe the jump from the late news didn't really help Mostert at all in the small field stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was, we would have, what we would have been talking about if there was no news, we would have said the game changer Mostert was 9% owned. And in the Millie, he was 19% owned. And you go, look how, look at the, look, look at how drastically sharp differences, right? Look, Mostert and Robinson both got ownership in the Millie and barely any in the game changer. So maybe. I mean, I, that just came to be right now that I just went with the assumption that Mostert was going to be like 10% owned to begin with. And maybe, maybe that baseline was the wrong baseline. Right, right. So yeah, we had the going in assumption of what we thought that person was, was going to be based on the mainly based on projections, right? Same thing with James Robinson is, is the game has become so much projection, which is kind of what I was talking about on Twitter this morning is like people aren't just chasing the whether it be game logs or I know there's no game logs for week one but chasing the matchup right this guy actually doesn't really project very well James Robinson Raheem Mostert but the matchup is pristine or they're on an awesome offense right like the 49ers that was the the Mostert thing and and it's possible you know and and so like I'm always referencing that in terms of the contest that I'm playing in right because I, I do feel comfortable like making some of those assessments on the luxury box or the game changer or or whatever because those players are focusing in more on the projection and then now kind of like i brought up earlier there is a little bit of that game theory wrinkle right they everybody's kind of galaxy braining each other but in the you know the five dollar milli i think it's possible and maybe that that'll go away too as the as the season goes on but coming in right away right especially think about the context of james robinson last year he is the workhorse, right? That he was the, you know, baby CMC. He never left the field for the Jaguars. He was like always overowned last year. You remember last year, like he finally got to be expensive and he was the guy in the, in the, the lower stake stuff that he, the, he was like the one guy people were continuing to chase. 
Now he gets the Texans. Everybody thinks the Texans are an absolute abomination, you know, of a of a franchise. Turns out the Jaguars are the ones that are the abomination of a franchise, and people just just play him. Flip side, the Lions are like the laughing stock, right? Their coach is, is a freaking psychopath that drinks, you know, uh, never-ending pots of coffee, and like they are wide wide receivers are worse than college teams. Like there's all this stuff like going into this week one, just specifically relating to those two matchups, those those two teams. Everybody's excited for the 49ers. I was excited for the 49ers. And so I think those casual consumers, those might be really like hyper-specific scenarios like that you said that we were just wrong because we're in this bubble and looking at the projections and all that. And it might be right for the luxury box or, or whatever. But, you know, just – this really specific example, I think it was fascinating. I mean, it's fascinating to me and I definitely still don't have an answer, but I think um, there's going to be kind of random outlier situations like like that that pop up uh, every once in a while. But also, what do you think? Like, do you think that that's something that maintains at all? Like, I feel like that's something that probably starts to go away, like really, really quickly. You know, like people are not going to chase the guy against the Texans as much, like very, very quickly when they don't don't project as well. But I also could be wrong could be wrong on that too well i think it de- i think it's highly dependent on the contest yeah i mean the contest that you're playing i yes and i and i am gonna you you play the game changer right yeah okay so, so I'll, I'll be i I'll played be, mostert i played mostert in the, in the, <laughs> the game game, right but i would have done the same i i would have ended up on a construction that had mostert in it anyway uh i'll be i'll be with you in the game changer next week i was i was going it was it's Saturday Everything morning. Everything filled on Saturday it afternoon. Like, it's filled like like late Saturday morning or something because I go and I'm like after my soccer, right? Then I do the, mm. the, the, the before I did my like uh, stupid Saturday stream, I'm like, okay, let me go in and enter the game. I, I decide because I decided what, what I was going to do yet. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to play the game changer this year. I'm going to play it every week. And then I go and I go, what the fuck's the game changer? I see the luxury box. I'm like, I ain't spending $3,000 on a lineup. Uh, but uh, 1500 single entry, especially, mm. and it's gone. So I'm like, okay, I guess this is the lineup that I play uh, in, in the in the spy, right? Like whatever I came up with. Uh, I have a question for you on on on. I was it was a conversation I was having in another Discord about the San Francisco uh, Detroit game. Uh, obvi- obviously, I my my top targets for my lineups were uh, the Seattle Indianapolis game was the Buffalo-Pittsburgh game, doing very similar to you, Allen Diggs-Claypool, or Deontay Johnson, uh, and uh, the Carolina-Jets game, but the passing. it, Darnold plus Anderson with Corey Davis, like that type of lineup. Yep, yep. Uh, But San Francisco had a high team total, and this is is obviously before the the Mostert news. Mm -hmm. Uh, So someone was, was trying to sell me on, strategically, uh, of why why aren't we playing a 49ers stack? Like are, why aren't why aren't we playing uh, a three plus one of of you know Garoppolo, Samuel or Ayuk, which turned out Ayuk is just a punt returner, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, Kittle, and then on the Detroit side, I mean, like I even a skinny stack, and I kept on saying to him, I said I don't like this as a stack. I said I like it as a secondary correlation, mm-hmm. like. First, first things first. Like I'm, I'm gonna explain it the way that I'm thinking about it, and you see, it, it, either you agree or you have some. Th- is this how you think about it? The two top receivers for both teams are both tight ends. 
Okay? Yeah. So, and I typically, I'm not building a two tight end lineup. So if I play Garoppolo, Kittle, Hawkinson run back, I'm like wasting a flex spot on a tight end. If I play uh, Goff, I'm going to play Hawkinson, and then the run back would be Samuel, and that's okay. If I'm playing Garoppolo, Samuel, Hawkinson, okay. Obviously, that was the best combination of them. But in any in any of those combinations, uh, I the quarterback has to be the quarterback one, right? Like, right. like I the the that the problem with the stack is that Gar- I couldn't see Garoppolo having a high enough chance at being the quarterback one versus Kyler versus Russ versus Mahomes versus Hertz versus. Uh, a lot of these guys, Aaron Rodgers, it's like, like, I don't think I could get enough production out of the stack. Like, in order for Garoppolo to be quarterback one, I need to double stack him, right? Yeah. He's a double stacking type. He's not going to, so I need to, so what am I double stacking him with? Well, I have Kittle, and then then my, either I play that as a, as with no run back, because then what am I going to do? Uh, Samuel Kittle, Tyrell Williams. I mean, I guess you can, right? But I'd rather have Hawkinson in the lineup. So it just made, it just made, it's like, number one, I need to make sure that the quarterback is QB1 on the slate or close to it or something yeah. like that. And then you have the, the top receivers on both teams are tight ends. And I'm like, yeah, feel free to play Samuel plus Hawkinson. Obviously mm-hmm. that was, that was the nuts. If you did that, feel free to play Mustard plus Hawkinson. Feel free to play Kittle plus Tyrell. That's fine. Like, but once you stick in that quarterback in there, I need these quarterbacks, Goff and Garoppolo are not, they're not going to be high scoring quarterbacks without putting up three, 400 yards and four touchdowns, which means I need more than one receiver paired with them for a ceiling. And none of those constructions because of the tight ends work out that way. I'd rather just say, I'd just, if I skinny stack, like then I don't, if you skinny stack there, you're basically saying Garoppolo puts up 22 points <laughs> and it all goes to one player. And then you lose to Kyler Murray. Like you lose to some other, yeah. some other quarterback. So like the stack, I was like, it's not like I don't like the game. It's just that I don't mm-hmm. like the combinations that you need to make in order to get proper ceiling in your lineups. Is, is, is that, is that a similar methodology that you use? A hundred percent. It's, I actually was talking about this with somebody, I think, on su- on Sunday morning, where there's games or spots or whatever. Like if we remove the names and don't think about some of the that, that nuance, you know, specifically as it relates to DFS, where I'm like, you know, I like, I like this game, you know, like even actually I thought the Chiefs were one that was difficult. Um, I liked Odell and Landry was OK, you know, but the same thing I, I might have liked like a Browns tight end. Or like the actually the Browns and the Lions are a fairly interesting kind of comparison because um, you know obviously the Odell thing ended up being but th- there was a little uncertainty around Odell which made it a little bit hairy you know in it being the afternoon game. Right, but I, I had Browns, a lot I had a lot of OBJ with my 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 Chiefs yeah. because of the Q tag. I'm like right like he's he's not going to be owned at all and then I obviously had to switch from there. Yeah, I was very I was very very close to playing Ty- Tyreek and, and Odell, but you know the best. Like some of the best plays on the Browns are running are their two running backs, and that's kind of the same thing for for the Lions, but with the tight end, right? So they that creates an, a weird roster construction. You know, it can be totally like playing Swift and Debo or Swift and Kittle or something makes perfect sense. But as you're starting to think about what stacks you're going to build out, 
it creates this awkward, you know, these awkward like uh, decision points that you have to make where, like you said, what what the ideal, right, is like quarterback, two wide receivers with the wide receiver bring back, you know, maybe if you're mixing in a tight end or whatever. But the total ideal is, you know, you call it three plus one, right? The, a three plus one build. And it's typically the wide receivers because when the game is shooting out, it's all these wide receivers, right? I mean, Darren Waller, I guess, is the, you know, the, the exception. But even look at the game last night, right? I don't know that everybody expected that kind of insane game, but Brian Edwards is catching bombs and Hunter Renfro's got eight catches. Sammy Watkins is catching bombs. You know, it's just crazy. And so these wide receivers are the ones that are, you know, pass catchers, like traditional pass catchers, not, not the running backs. So when, when that, when it doesn't fit into those constructs, that's something that I personally really, really struggle with. Quarterback is also part of that, that discussion. You know, people might uh, like question me because I played Sam, Sam Darnold, but I actually, I actually felt fairly you know, strongly that Darnold did have the upside to at least, you know, I don't know about beat Kyler Murray and beat Mahomes, but for 5K, I actually thought he could. Yeah, but he's, he's much, shit. no, no, the, the guys like Darnold are, there. I mean, Garoppolo is like in the 6K rate. I mean, like, like. Was well, he? I didn't, even, see, I didn't even know how expensive he was. So right, right. Well, that's I what I mean. But like, Dar, like, at least Darnold, like that stack is cheap. Like to me, Darnold yeah. is, a, is a, is a vomit stack. So right. basically you're, you're betting on the fact that there's, that no quarterback is, it's not that Darnold's going to put up 30-plus points. You're betting on the fact that no quarterback puts up 30-plus yeah. points. Like, that, it, it's in that in that price range. But if you play Aaron Rodgers at 6,800, you're betting that he puts up 30-plus points. Because yeah. if he doesn't, you might as well have played Sam Darnold in that spot yeah. and saved the money. Yep. And, and I think— Early in the season, you know, that the Panthers were just kind of a, a stand, you know, from doing all this best ball shit for for months. They were an offense that I've been wanting to invest in. And I do think I mean, Sam Darnold, you know, we're going to uh, like half victory laugh, half half taken L. He had like 19 fantasy points in the first half and he ran and he, he had a rushing touchdown, which is like people are like, oh, you can't play him. He doesn't run all this kind of stuff. And so I think capitalizing on some of the things where I thought the market might have been wrong about that offense and about that player was why I was interested in him. Um, obviously the second half was brutal and they, that, that stack didn't really get there, but like, but that stack made sense, right? It's a condensed offense. I mean, even if you wanted to play him with CMC, I guess, I guess you probably could. I mean, CMC like led the team in targets, um, not really my forte, but like there was so, it was so easy to make that, that stack, right? Darnold plus two receivers and, you know, Corey Davis, or if you want to play Elijah Moore, I played Tyler Croft. You know, you want to do those different things. It was so easy to make that stack. Whereas you have a guy like Jimmy G who's more expensive and like they really want to run. Like, you know, if the game is going how, how you expect it, um, Jimmy G is not not doing much really, you know, volume wise passing. And so there's just so many roadblocks to certain you know, stacks as it relates to guys like Jimmy G or teams like the Browns even, to, you know, especially once you removed Odell teams like the, the Lions where I tend to, and maybe this is a, a mistake, I don't know, but I tend to exactly what you said, give me Hawkinson and Debo in that scenario, or give me Mostert and Hawkinson or Swift and Kittle or whatever. I, I love the secondary correlations in, in those spots. And I actually think they often tend to go under-owned too because of this conversation. Like, nobody wants to play Jimmy G, no matter how good the spot right, is. Right, right. The, the, the I, ownership and, of the quarterback going down creates the ownership on all the players that you'd, he'd be attached to to go down as well. Yeah, so I like capitalizing there, but I think 
you're you're actually making it you know you're you're actually like killing yourself and killing your upside going to like taking it that extra step and making it you know a jimmy g double stack in that scenario and 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 you know maybe some people would disagree with me on that but i feel pretty firmly i, I feel pretty strong about about that one whereas it's that funny thing right like you can tell someone like, no, you played Debo and you played Debo and Hawkinson. That was like amazing, right? Even if you played the guys who who sucked, right? You played Tyrell and Kittle, like that was. Or you played was, Brandon Ayuk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or you played, or you played Brandon Ayuk. You know, you you played whatever. Like you, t- I, if somebody showed me a lineup, I'd be like, that was really that was that looks really really nice. But if then if you if you just included Jimmy G, I'm like, ah, nope, that that looks bad. And it's hard maybe sometimes to to explain that. But I think those nuances of like. W- how, like you said, the, the quarterback thing, the quarterback scoring, what you need from Jimmy G, all that kind of stuff, and and the positional, you know, the tight end thing, all that is is like maybe a little difficult to explain, but it's like super super important. Right. I mean that that's why a lot of times when I'm building three plus ones, I I'd rather just play the tight unless I'm going to pay up at tight end, I'll just play the tight end of whatever 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 it is. I'll play. You know, yeah, I'm not going to play Manhurts or anything like that, second tight ends or anything, uh, but I'm more likely to do that or just pay up. Or that's the spot where I have Pitts, I have Hawkinson, I have Kittle, I have Ke- like Kelsey. Those are where those lineups are. Everything else is just, I have Tyler Conklin. Okay, great. So I've t- it's Cousins, Jefferson, Conklin, Higgins. Okay, that's that's fine. I mean, that's yep. Uzuma, who cares? Who ca- At that point, you're not, you're playing, you're playing a, uh, for a touchdown. And if you're right. playing for a touchdown, why not why not play with the touchdown that the quarterback that you already have throws exactly. throws in the ball? So I mean that to me that's the default. But also in overstacking. So for instance, I didn't play the game changer, which is a hundred and forty-two entry contest. Uh do you what I was planning on by playing Russ with three, playing a four plus one. So I could just get like basically I want the entire Seahawks passing offense and, and to be able to fill up a tight end spot that was not going to be Kyle Pitts. And I obviously couldn't afford a high end one because I was playing both Lockett and Metcalf. Uh, and then pairing like Devonta Smith and Mike Davis, like that, that would have been like my lineup. Do you, the overstacking concept? Uh, cause I could have done it a different way. I was thinking about doing, uh, not playing, uh, not playing Devonta Smith and Mike Davis and just playing Pittman and Campbell or Pascal. Like basically just like I'm playing mm-hmm. a four plus two and then one offs in the rest of the spots. And just like, I want, if the game goes off, I think I could beat 142 people. I know Leone talks about those overstacking constructions uh, all the time. But uh, do you, do you think the, 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 the key question is once I put Lockett and Metcalf together, 7,500 and 6,700. Like that's, that's, I'm obviously not like I, for large field stuff. I think I, I, I just don't think Lockett and Metcalf together have a ceiling right to win a large field GPP. But do you think it's more of a leak? I mean, obviously I'm making up a lineup that I would have played cause I couldn't fucking get in the goddamn contest. <laughs> right. And I probably would have, would have come close to the cash line, but not gotten there. Uh, cause I probably would have had Mostert in that lineup. I had, yep. that, I saw the construction. I like, I needed a, like either Mixon or, and I probably would have with the 1130 news gone like, fuck this Mostert like that. No one's going <laughs> to react. And then it ends up being 41% don't, uh, <laughs> do, do, do you think that, do you 
how much do you consider of when you have two high end, higher price wide receivers or even tight ends to go, you know, because we're still like Hill and Kelsey are a perfect example of that at the highest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had like Ridley and Julio before. We have Godwin, Evans, Brown. Like you got all the receivers are fairly expensive. Do you do you think in in a 142 entry contest that uh, that's more plus EV to try to just get as much of the I'm betting on Russell Wilson getting 30 plus points. Mm-hmm. Like I might as well not have to worry about did I pick the right one between Metcalf and Lockett and just say yeah. I just I hope there's I hope they have three touchdowns between them and I don't care if Metcalf has 50 points and Lockett has 3. I still get 53 points from those two receivers with Wilson. Uh, do you do you build your lineups to that overstacking extent? Probably not even as much as I should. Like um, in your Darnold lineup, I, for instance, did you play like more and Anderson and like like and like you could have played McCaff- like you could have played Darnold, McCaffrey, right. Anderson, more like, like that would be the overstack. Yep. Right. Right. And, and I, I thought about it and, and, and I will say like, this is something that even maybe two, three years ago, I was like, I, I, I didn't consider because of all the things we talked about. Like if I'm thinking about, you yeah, know, but this is right. Optimal. We're talking about the small field stuff. Like Correct. I want people that, that are listening to realize you probably are not doing like, like playing four or five guys from the same team and two run backs for, yep. For the 1.2 million entry contest, because these at some point these ceilings these ceilings are, are negatively correlated to one another, uh, yep. but in in a in a 200 or less field contest, especially if you're playing a game that is not chalky, like I'll get I'll just take I'll I'll take I want I, all of Seattle's 38 points, and then <laughs> you guys have to run me down with your mixing and matching everything, and let's yep. see if you could do it. And and I have I have it's funny because I've had the few times I've done it I have had success. Um, I think like back to like the Vikings last year, um, you know, and it's because it's so condensed, right? Same thing with with Seattle. It's like you you said you know like almost for sure, right? That like if Seattle scores forty five points, Lockett, Metcalf, Gerald Everett, like I could put happens. in Carson even. I could play yeah. Carson at his price. See six thousand, throw him in also. And so. It's it's something that I definitely need to like get better about considering. The struggle I have is especially on a week like like this week, week week one. I, I found it really hard because of how soft the, I thought that the pricing was. And it turns out to, it wasn't soft because all those players yeah, failed. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And like even yeah, even all the right we, we talk about like the right. But before I understand what he's saying. Before the slate, you're like, why am I? Why would I stack Russell Wilson, Carson, Lockett, Metcalf, Everett, when at all of those positions I could play a guy that's like like a thousand cheaper that projects as good as them? Like I'm giving I'm if I put that through lineup HQ like that those overstacked real the, the the heavily overstacked would just project for like twenty five points lower than. Other yep. lineups that were just three plus ones, and you're like, well, why, why do, why do I have to do it on this slate? It seems like more of the type of thing that you would do on a slate where, like, it's one of those slates where we're like starved for value, and it's yes. just like because everything is more efficient. Let me just take take a shot on a team in a game, and then try to run me down. 
That, that's exactly what I was going to say is I think it works really, really well on those slates where we're like, you know, you get slates, uh, again, referencing like like last year. The chalk is not all these $3,000. I know that they all literally all failed, but like it's the chalk is not these like actually really strongly projected 3K guys or or not even as strongly projected as Mostert, as Mixon, as Mike Davis as Kyle Pitts, it like when we get to the you know week eight or week nine or something. When you remember, remember Jets, but we're talking Braxton Berrios and Denzel Mims and stuff like those weeks. When you when you get to those weeks, you know we're we're, we're talking about three thousand dollar wide receivers that like I forget there was another one we had where the guy didn't play. He didn't he didn't touch the field. Uh, no, yeah, I like remember. Three- I think two years ago. No, I remember uh, two years ago. Uh, the, the multiple Raiders receivers were out. So oh, yeah. the whole thing was Martavis Bryant is the wide receiver one for the Raiders <laughs> and he's 3K, right? He is the wide receiver. Like, who else are they going to play? And then they brought in, like, practice squad guys and we're, it's the second quarter and most of Twitter is like, did, has has Bryant played a snap? And I think he played a total of three snaps, got no targets, and he was like, in catch games, he was like 42% owned. <laughs> So those slates are like the absolute perfect for that, right? Because you can approach it in, in multiple different ways. You can find an offense, you know, and overstack them and include these like cheap kind of shitty ancillary pieces, right? Because it's like, so like I was looking at, I remember seeing Giant Squid's uh, uh, lineup in the in the luxury box he played. He played all of the Cardinals wide receivers, Kyler Murray, <laughs> Christian Kirk, AJ Green, DeAndre Hopkins, and Rondale Moore on Sunday. And he got like twentieth, and so did he play Chase you know, Edmonds of, also? No, no Chase, no Chase Edmonds, Kamara and Mixon. So then he just like plugged in like yeah, I the guess best plays, right? Optimal, then you just plug in the projections, right? Uh, which so no run back, but anyway, it was it was it was kind of fascinating. So you know, anyway, that that does speak to part of it where I think it's more viable, maybe even than I was giving it credit for on a slate, even a looser pricing slate, like I was saying. But that was also an example of okay, I'm getting like all my value from that. Right. So he gets Christian Kirk like the out of absolutely nowhere. Christian Kirk, huge two two touchdown game. And obviously the Cardinals score a ton of points. So he's getting it. You know, obviously DeAndre Hopkins was good, but it, he's he's getting it from these cheap guys. Right there. Like like he, he consumed all this value from from these cheap guys where, you know, obviously the rest of the field is not getting that from Terrace Marshall and Elijah Moore and Marquez Calloway and, and even really Marvin Jones. And so I think that also. But again, on the tighter you know the more efficiently priced slates that's like amazing like i love doing that you know the guy that projects for four targets or whatever for 3k but he's two percent owned because martavis bryant you know project projects well or braxton barrios projects well it's like those are the perfect slates for me to do that but on the flip side you can also do the opposite thing on a slate again i think it's more when it's a little bit more efficiently priced which i actually think moving forward already we're going to have a lot more efficiently priced slates so it's really going to start to come into play but same thing when there's not like every team's wide receiver one is like affordably priced and there's like tons of amazingly projected uh, running backs. You can just say, OK, give me all the all the Seahawks. They score 45 points like I'm definitely cashing. And like, and uh, you know, I, I have I probably have some kind of crazy two, three percent owned guy that has just gone nuts. And so you got to you guys got to run me down with like plays that. You know, we're medium projected, you know, from a medium projection standpoint, we're probably pretty good, but may not, you know, Braxton Berrios didn't have a ceiling, right? Braxton Berrios was never scoring 35 fantasy points. So like if you hit on the Seahawks game, 
the chalk is not running you down. So I think it makes a lot of sense on on those slates. But I struggled with it, you know, in, in week one for the reasons like we talked about. Well, going going forward to get to your tweet about uh, are people going to overreact to week one? OK, because week two is my favorite week. Yeah. People will look at small sample sizes and they think that they know. I mean, that's my whole thing in general, that people think they know and they don't. Now, you're 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 you, you made a pondering that because so many more people than in the past, and I would agree with you if it would go 2015, definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah. are playing with some type of projection sets, some type of, or they're listening or reading smart players that are giving, here are the best plays, but I mean, if you go to the projections, I'll, I mean, they, that's what it says. They're, they're sent, I mean, yeah. that that's my whole bugbear with content is not that the content is bad. <laughs> it's just that I could just show up Sunday morning and it's going to be everything that's that I'm looking at in any reasonably good projection set anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why do I have to spend 20 hours to read through all this crap when like, I could just go right to the numbers. Uh, you, you believe that, uh, because of that, like the game log watching type of stuff is, is like, I think the good, good example this coming week is Najee Harris. Uh, that he put up what? Six points, but he played a hundred percent of the Steelers stats. Okay. Now, Projections last week had him for a ball, a, a heavy snap share. But if he's going to play, a, a, but now he's in a better matchup against the Raiders defense. And uh, projections are going to, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at just the initial uh, Roto Grinders uh, gridiron IQ projections. He projects as, uh, from a salary adjusted value, the number one running back on the entire slate. <laughs> At, at like 6,100 mm-hmm. or whatever he is, but he only scored six points. Yes. Uh, you know, on, on Sunday, your, your thing is that, well, in the past, if this was 2015, Najee Harris would be come up to this slate and be 8% owned, right? Because people will look as like, Oh, yep. the guy had a bad game and whatever like that. But because of content and projections, like Najee Harris could easily come in at the thirty percent on this week, even though he only put up six points uh, yesterday or uh, Sunday or whatever. The counterpoint before, since I made your point for you, <laughs> is the way that I play, and the way that I play is a little bit more nutso. This is the reason why I, I listen to content, like I listen to all the podcasts. And it's not like I'm listening in 10. People think you're listening to 30 hours worth of content. Yeah. At 1.5 speed while I'm in the shower or while I'm doing other work. And sometimes a podcast goes completely by and I don't even remember listening to it. I mean, cause like, <laughs> you're paying attention to something else. So it's like talk radio in the background. That the thing of Najee Harris, all these projections, people don't realize it's not done NFL, especially not done by an algorithm. Now the model back tests and everything, you know, for the the weights and all the variables. But so, some human being has to put in a snap share, a, a target share, a, like someone has to make those adjustments. Mm-hmm. So that's to me the exploitative version of that. Of yeah. Najee Harris, he got hundred percent of snap. I'm assuming we're gonna we're gonna hear that on every podcast. Okay. Every goddamn podcast. right. Six. He only had six points. And hey, people, there may be people that don't go there because they see he had a bad game. 
right? And and projections are going to show him well, and all the content is going to say you got to play this guy. What happens if Benny Snell gets half the work? Right, that's what I mean by you don't know shit type of thing. Is Benny Snell going to get half? The, probably not. Right? <laughs> is Najee Harris going to play 100? Now, obviously, Najee Harris could play 100% of snaps again and also only get six points also. I mean, like, the efficiency <laughs> couldn't be there as well. But, like, for instance, on, on FanDuel, maybe playing James Robinson this coming week. Right? I don't even know if they're playing or whatever. But I'm, I'm talking about those types of things. We saw something in one game. And then we're going to go, oh, that's going to be the way it is for the next 15 games. Like, no, my mm-hmm. attitude is I'm more likely to go against what we just saw, right? Because we, because you may bring out, like, Kyle Pitts only put up seven points. But if you actually looked at, at oh, Hayden Hurst is tight end one. Yeah, and Kyle Pitts is wide receiver two now, right? <laughs> like, he played, like, all the snot. Like, it's not like he wasn't on the field. It's just that he wasn't playing as a tight end. It negatively affected Russell Gage more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. So uh, people may be smart enough to go, well, maybe I'm playing Kyle Pitts because... Yeah, he's not going to be as owned as he was this past week. But I want to see what that, I need to hear and see what that narrative, that like, oh, with oh someone got a 25% target share in week one, we're going to plug in 25%. And I'm going, well, what happens if it's back down to 14? Like it was for yep. all of last season. Why are we adjusting it to that extent? So to me, that's, that's why I like week two. It's not the game log. It's not the, oh, people are going to play Debo Samuel again because he had a big game. It's not that. It's the, yep. the people are going to overreact to the snap and target shares and yep. the play calling of week one. Adjust, and all and, and, and it's going to end up in projections also. Mm-hmm. And then yep. you're going to go, well, what, what if week one was the, what happens if week one was an anomaly, Right. Like what, what, what if, what if Jamal Williams actually plays more, does more than DeAndre Swift? Like what, like it just so happened in that game because the Lions were down by three touchdowns. That is more likely that DeAndre Swift is going to be working out of the backfield. But, but who knows? Like, like, like it's not, oh, Derrick Henry, like these tight, the Titans, the Titans, I though that's a team I want to play. Right. Oh yeah. Right. It's like the, the recency bias of that. And nothing has changed from week to week other than the Titans sucked on offense. <laughs> uh, who says Julio Jones can't have an eight catch, 120 yard, two touchdown game. Like that, that's something that we, before, before the game on Sunday against the Arizona Cardinals, AJ Brown was like Cardinals half high, high pace. This is one of the highest total games. And now all of a sudden people may go, well, they only threw to, to like, they look, they both had zero targets through the first quarter. <laughs> I mean, like, like they're, we're going, how, how is it possible that they're, that the two alpha receivers have nothing, have nothing. The Cardinals have five sacks in the first quarter or whatever. <laughs> uh, that's our, our pe- people may overreact to that. And they, they'll look at the target share and go, Oh, maybe the Titans offense isn't playing out the way that we thought. It's like, no, no, maybe, maybe the Titans in week two, uh, the win the winning lineup has Tannehill and Henry and Brad. Like it's one of those weeks, right? Yeah. Where where the court because we've seen those where Tannehill throws for three hundred yards and three touchdowns, while Derrick Henry has hundred and sixty yards on the ground and two touchdowns. <laughs> also, uh, we the Titans haven't really changed much. No, right? Their, so, their, their so defense I, might have gotten worse, uh, which is actually really good for uh, right. For but fantasy, are but are those right? like 
I'm not when when you sent out that tweet, it's not the it's not the you were referring to the Najee Harris type of stuff where correct where people aren't going to look at a game log and over and overreact that way. I'm going more of the fact of maybe I'm going to be under on Najee because maybe we're just assuming he's going to get 100 percent of the the, the, tar, the the snaps when he when he really. You know, if he if if we projected Najee Harris to get only sixty five percent of the snaps, right? He goes mm-hmm. from the best running back play on the slate to he's seven percent owned, right? I mean, like, yeah, like right. th- that's how big of a difference, like twenty or thirty percent of snaps. If he plays, let's say, just say he played seventy percent, seventy five percent of the snaps, I guarantee you his ownership will be like twelve percent. I mean, he'll he'll be there, he'll be there in that range. But once you give him 100% of the snaps and, he, and they're playing the Raiders, with the, the team total that's going to come out for them, like, yeah, that's going to be in projections. People are going to play that. I mean, we we see it in PGA. All the PGA uh, DFS people that I know are always astonished from when they compare the, their PGA play from five or six years ago. It's like, uh, you know, a guy misses the, a, a guy, uh, misses the cut in the last event, plays horribly, and then is shocked the next week. Because right. it's obviously yep. his price goes down, the field strength gets, you know, he becomes one of the better golfers in the $7,200 range on a course and a field that he should beat. And it was just the aberration that, that you know, and then now he's 26% on. And you go, like, dude, in the past, if a guy had a miss, no one would play guys off of missed cuts. And now everyone is just like, nope, we're not going to worry about that. We're just going to go by his prior for the past five years that he should. That's just an aberration. So, like, like that's the kind of stuff that I'm, that I'm talking about where it's not a game log kind of chasing type of thing. It's a, it's a, we assume snap and target share type of thing. A hundred percent. It is. It's all about, and I, I couldn't agree like this week, next week, these first few weeks, because even like next week, even week four, even, even like week five, you know, maybe by like week nine, week 10, we're, we're pretty much going to know, but even like this first month, we're, we're really not going to know. I mean, shoot, look, guys are getting hurt already, right? Mostert's hurt, so we're going to make assumptions about Elijah Mitchell <laughs> and Trey, Trey Sermon. I guess we'll have to wait for Sunday to see if Trey Sermon's even going even gonna to be active this this week. But, you know, Jerry Judy gets hurt, right? Guys are, guys are getting hurt, so there's always constantly things changing. And that's only shrinking the sample, right? Judy got hurt, I guess, in the first half of that game. So now... You know, I, I literally ha- I pulled up some of the the projections, same the same thing that you were looking at. Like Tim Patrick is one of the best point per dollar projections, right? And it's like, and it's like I get it. I I, I mean, I, I I understand it, but you know, we're making massive massive assumptions about uh you know really really small small samples, and so it comes down to me, you know, is the easiest way for me to kind of word that tweet and 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 where people would would get it, like you know the game log chasing thing. But what it really is 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 the combination of those two things. Where where is the market reacting and where are they not reacting to what happened in in week 1, right? Maybe you know I, this this there is no player like this, but maybe Najee played 100% of snaps and now we're going to we're going to assume that he's going to continue to play 100% of snaps and he's going to finally start scoring some fantasy points. Maybe there was another guy who played 98% of snaps. And this is not true, but like there was another guy and the the but but we didn't have that assumption coming in right? We thought he was just going to be, I mean, frankly, Elijah Mitchell might actually be that for the 49ers. He played like, after Mostert got hurt, he played like 80% of the snaps, got basically all the running back work. Jermichael Hasty just barely mixed in. Now, I, I'm guessing he'll be a little bit owned, but again, I, I, I don't know. Maybe the market is worried about the Kyle Shanahan thing, right? Because they and, should and maybe be. The, maybe mean, the market just disregards that and goes, goes, well, I'm playing, I'm playing Mitchell anyway. And 
Yeah. Like, like, and so you, to, yeah. Right. So to me, it, 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 I said on this, to this morning's pregame show that I don't know what I'm going to do until I know what the market's going to do. So like, mm-hmm. like if so, cause people would ask me, it's like, so are you going to play Mitchell on Sunday? I go, I'll play Mitchell at 6% ownership, but not at 22% ownership. Like <laughs> I need to know what, where the market is going. Either the market's going to say he's the running back one who cares about hasty, who cares about if sermon is active, like we're going to, they're going to give him 80% of the, the, the snaps. And if, if everyone thinks that I'll, I'll, you won't see him in many lineups. But if yep. the whole thing is Sermon's going to be active. Don't take what happened in the last game as a thing. He's only going to get like 40% of the work. They're going to spread it out. The projections will reflect a 40 to 40, 50% target yep. share, you know, a, a snap share. And that goes down. And then me, I'm like, what happens if they just like what they saw and they just give him all the work, right? Like what, yeah. what, what, if, and, and what's the probability of that happening versus the ownership? Another player, like I, I'm taking a look at the greater and IQ projections on Roto Grinders. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming uh, I want to hear what's going to people going to say about KJ Osborne. Oh yeah, for the Vikings, because Ir- they don't have Irv Smith and they don't really have, even have a second tight end. Like he was playing, he played I think like ninety percent of snaps as like the third Con. wide receiver. He got a yep. bunch of targets and stuff. Yeah, they're low quality. I mean, he's going to be the fourth option on the offense, but he's thirty three hundred facing Arizona. Uh, so like he only project right in, in here, he only projects for 6.14 points, 1.86 point per dollar, which is essentially a, a less than 1% owned player like yep. in projections. Cause I'm assuming like it's the, the game yesterday's, uh, I always say yesterday, it's Sunday. These games, they, they always run into each other. I would just <laughs> watch football. It seems like it was yesterday. So <laughs> in this case are people that are inputting uh target and snap data in not what like they they're saying okay uh, we're not gonna weigh uh uh sunday's result much osborne is not that like is not that guy like that just it was a outlier thing well maybe he's not maybe like like in this case based on this projection i could see i mean i could see him being barely being any owned even though mm-hmm. like from a recency bias perspective a normal person would say well d- don't don't game log chase and right don't don't it's like mm-hmm. well why can't I when no one else is right? right. Maybe and, that's and that, the start of a trend. Exactly. That's, that's, that's everything to me. That is it. It's, it's Najee Harris, right? Sucked. But the, you know, the, the ancillary data basically says that he should be projected well on the opposite side, you know, so people that that's what I, my tweet was based around this idea that I just keep seeing people saying like, don't adjust your priors off of one game, you know, week two, such a big edge. If you just kind of, you know, stick to the things that we know, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, kind of like in the, in right. Like you said, in the, in, you know, if everybody is sticking to their priors on Najee Harris, well, what if, what if he's just really this, this inefficient of a back, right? Maybe he sucks, <laughs> right? Maybe he's Trent Richardson. Like, I don't know, but like, I don't, I, just because it's not just about like, oh, don't adjust your priors, don't overreact. It's what is the market doing with this newfound information that we have, right? People were excited for Irv Smith. Like he was, like he was a, a, an exciting, like potential breakout tight end guy. And Tyler Conklin and Chris Herndon are not that. 
And so if, you know, now they're playing Arizona, right? We were just excited for Arizona's last game. All Arizona did was go and make you more excited for them moving forward. He had as many targets as Justin freaking Jefferson, <laughs> you know, and all like he was all near feeling for the lead, like those three guys, their whole passing game was those three guys. And so he's like, like, do I, do I have any idea what I feel about KJ Osborne right now? No, because I no one did expect. Right, no and he could expected. easily. The thing is, when you when you do things like that, he could easily next week play twelve slaps. Yeah, right. He and could, get one they, they could be like, yeah. we're going to go to a Herndon is fine. We're going to play Herndon and Conklin in two tight end sets, and here you go, Osborne with the, you know some weird third down three wide receiver yep. sets, and he ends he ends up being what happened with Russell Gage. In Atlanta, right? He ends up like, yeah. yep. he, he should be there, but he's not. Uh, that, that could easily happen because teams game plan for each individual. Like, you can't just go by what you just saw. But if no one's going to go with what they just saw, I'm going to say, well, what happens? You know, what, what what happens if, you know, it's 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 whatever the market is doing, I'm doing the opposite. It's like, yeah. so, so it's not a matter of me saying don't trust small sample sizes. Small sample sizes are not invalid. They're just very volatile. They're, 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 yes. they're, the standard deviation is very high. So it, just like you said, oh, whoever wins the Millie Maker week one, I think is going to win the Millie Maker week two. Like, like that could be tr- that could be the best DFS player in the world that won last week that has the highest chance of winning at 0.0001% versus the 0.0001.5%, you know, like that type of thing. But, uh, it's still a sample size. So just like BVP, we say in baseball, we always bring it back to BVP because that's the top example of yep. taking small sample sizes too much. BV, people that say don't look at BVP, don't say that it doesn't exist, that that batters can't hit, that have pre- predilections to hit certain pitchers. It's just that with the sample sizes we have for all the batters and all the pitchers, we don't know which ones they are. Like, so it could... Yep. When when we say G Man Choi hits Garrett Cole very well, like that could be absolutely true, or it could be an aberration. But if the market is going to treat it as it's true, then play it as if it's an aberration. But if the market is going to treat you know uh, the 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 guy that's oh this guy is is O for twenty four with no home runs off of this guy, like well that's no reason to change any decision you make anyway. So if the market is like I can't possibly play that guy. And he's going to be one percent owned when he should be five percent owned. Then you then you play it as if, if it's an aberration. Mm-hmm. Just that that it the sample size makes makes your decision makes the 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 range of outcomes to be not trustworthy. But your goal isn't to play the most trustworthy plays. <laughs> your goal is to just play the most inefficiently owned plays in comparison to the market. Right, and it's because you're trying to get paid off, right? I'm trying to finish first in in this tournament. And when we have, so like, God, I can't believe we turned this into the KJ Osborne thing, right? But like we have this this thing we now seen of of KJ Osborne as maybe like, who if if last week is true, maybe he's the best value play on the whole slate. And And and, if that were- And and Eric, you know, I just want to bring it up. Maybe he ends up being talked up. I mean, maybe maybe it moves. But what's going to happen is, the, the point that I'm making is that, like you said about Tim Patrick. Now, Tim Patrick next week is what? This is 4600 He's a little bit expensive. But do, do you know how much talk there's probably going to be about Cedric Wilson? Oh, yeah. Right, Cedric with Gallup Wilson. out? Yep. 
Like, yep. so what's going to end up happening is like that, like Cedric Wilson is what? 3,100. Yep. Right. And he's going to be the $3,100, uh, you know, wide receiver play du jour. And it's like, well, why don't I just play KJ Osborne at 3,300 at, at like 15 times less ownership? What the hell's the difference? I mean, like you're playing the third receiver from, from, from a, from a, from an offense anyway. Uh, unless you're pairing him with you know Dak Prescott or something, uh, that's what I mean by by look yep. look look at, at Jalen Waddle this past week, mm-hmm. right? Jalen Waddle. If I go if I go to results DB, Waddle Waddle was one point four two percent in the game changer. <laughs> he was the, he was like the same prices and all those as Marcus Callaway or anything like that. Yep. But there was much so much more uncertainty about the Dolphins. They had a low team total. And with Tua at quarterback, but there's no reason why Callaway's 27% owned and Waddle's 1% owned. Elijah right. Moore's 31%. Like, like the the differences are not that dramatic. So, like the K, it's not a, to me. It's not about KJ Osborne. It's about well, how come how come the field is overreacting so much to Cedric Wilson when KJ Osborne, like this past week had the same target share on his team as like CeeDee Lamb would have on the on the Cowboys, <laughs> right? And and people, they'll dismiss, what'll end up happening is they'll dismiss, oh, Osborne can't do that again. But they'll, they'll just go, you know, Cedric Wilson, who's never done it, they'll have like, yeah. okay, he's obviously going to be walking into Gallup. He's going to be Michael Gallup this week. Like, who says you, maybe they run Jarwin and Schultz more and and, and who knows? Maybe they're, they, you're so Pollard on the field with Zeke Elliott. Mm-hmm. Maybe Pollard gets more run as kind of a slot guy, kind of a jet sweep type of thing. You don't know. And then Cedric Wilson's 22, 22% owned and it it's the second quarter and it's where's Martavis Bryant, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is that, that I think this is the, probably the part that people miss the most is you could be right that Cedric Wilson is just now Michael Gallup, right? It's just those three wide receivers they're in, they're they're playing every snap, and he could still not get there. Right. He right? play. Let's because, say he plays every. Look, he plays every snap, gets two catches for thirty yards, and that's it. It's just like right. Okay. Because because shocker, he's like the sixth, you know, sixth weapon on the offense that has Ceedee Lamb and Amari and Zeke and Pollard and whatever. So like there, there's all these paths to 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 this failure um, that people don't don't take into account, and then. Now I'm looking I'm looking at some of this and it's really kind of wild like it all goes back to again just like keep reiterating it's like is the market reacting to something or not reacting or how right how are how are they how are they treating all these situations as it relates to like how certain they are and the spoiler alert they're like all not certain at all at, at all so that's why we're talking you know in the in these terms but it's like Elijah Moore 30% last week we're done with him like he's right, playing he maybe two percent down for no reason. Yeah. He's he's thirty five hundred. He right. he got a five hundred dollar price raise. He was the absolute stone cold chalk last week, and now he's in a you know now he's in a bad matchup, right? Which actually I would argue like the Panthers were not a very I think their defense is pretty good too. Like, but he's in a, he's in a bad matchup. The Jets look shitty, you know, and and he only got four targets last week. So okay, we're we're done with Elijah Moore now. Last week he was the best play of the city. <laughs> this week he he's up only five hundred dollars. Well, well Crowder not, may be back, so it may be a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, but like. He was he was playing outside. Barrios Barrios was tied for the lead in targets on the on the on the on the team playing in the slot. But it's like same thing. Okay, now everybody's gonna gonna go to Tim Patrick. 
Well, Cortland Sutton is the same price as, as Tim Patrick. Noah Fant at tight end. Why not? Why aren't we playing $4,200 Noah Fant then? Why does it have to be the guy that came? Right. And so anyway, these are just examples of the situations where the, we think, as of right now, at least the market is going to react in a certain way. When in reality, there's all these other ways that this thing could play out, right? KJ Osborne could go back to being dust because that's what we thought he was going to be coming into the year. Or maybe he's like a real third target on this offense that we're probably going to be excited about on Sunday. Maybe Tim Patrick does step in and he's the man, right? He just takes over for Jerry Judy. Maybe he leads the team in targets. I don't know. But it could absolutely be KJ Hamler or Noah Fant or Cortland Sutton or whatever. And so just like figuring out which way the market is treating those things, I just want to do the opposite. Right. Maybe, maybe, maybe Jamar Chase only gets two targets next week. I mean, yeah. like maybe, maybe, maybe he that... does drop the ball. What if he drops? Maybe he's feeling all cocky now because he caught some passes and now he's going to, he's going to drop the ball in week two. And he's the best, he, he's the best point per dollar projection that we have right now. Uh, and maybe Devonte Smith, like only gets two targets and Kez Watkins has two. I mean, like it's going to be one of those things that people are going to overreact. It's not about, uh, it's not about the overreaction or underreaction. It's the scale in which that happens. Yeah. And then you're you're essentially arbitraging the middle of that. Yep. Right? So if, if people, you don't know what you're going to do. This is the whole point of like, why are you looking at stuff on Tuesday? Like, like dude, I need, I need to know what everyone else is going to do first. Because that's like the set. Projecting the players to me is the easy part. Right? Because mm -hmm. it's a range of outcomes. What, you're not projecting exact outcomes. So you just like, give me the range of outcomes. Right. Like, okay. Like the range of outcomes difference between Cedric Wilson and KJ Osborne, Cedric Wilson is going to have a better one. It's going to be a little bit further over, but still there's going to be tons of overlap. That like overlap yep. range is going to be enough that the parts that don't overlap is the ownership relative to that. Right. So if the parts overlap by this much, the ownership difference should be this much. Right. But what ends up happening in DFS is that the, it overlaps by just this much, and the ownership is like five or six times different. And then yep. you go like, "What? Why?" I, I what? I, what I try to do to people, I, I've, I've done it uh, in some some uh, Skype coaching sessions, which I, I I don't do coaching. If you if you bought the the course, sometimes I, I've sent out like like thank you for buying, and you get a free if you want me to talk to you type of thing to, to give back. Uh, I've tried to like draw out. I did it in photo. I did it in paper first, and I did it in Photoshop of. Uh, like I took like all the, like the, the eight K guys, like the six to like more, more of the seven to eight K guys on a, on a slate and drew out to scale, like from like zero to 25 or whatever on the, like their range of outcomes. Yeah. And then put their floor and ceiling projections in. So like use the blitz or whatever, and then show mm -hmm. the, how the lines are. And then I took the piece of paper, I printed it out and I walked back. So, so the camera, you could only see from this thing and go, can you tell me the difference between the lines? Right? Like, like yes, if I make oh. it closer, you could see that some are slightly higher or whatever. But once I scale back enough, like, you could tell that the bottom ones are a little bit off. But like in the middle, it's like, it's like here, I've just shown you, I've shown you 12 players and three of these guys are going to be 20% owned <laughs> and three of these guys are going to be 2% owned. I mean, like, so you see that, like, yes, the medians for these are higher by 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 a point, by a point and a half even. But the range of outcomes is like, like sh show me where all these guys can score thirty five points. So like, 
Like that's that's what you could do at the three K range with the Callaways and yeah. the Moors. You, you could have done the same exact thing and go. How often does this player score twelve points? And the arbitrage between the bat probability and their ownership is just so dramatically off that what why let's just get back to the beginning. Uh, why why does it if if the market is so bad? at efficiently projecting like exact outcomes, which is what they're trying to do. Why are, why, why are we trying to, to even care? What it, 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 it's what it's, I know you get it. Cause you've been blenderized, right? <laughs> I mean, you got it before anyway, but it, it's, it's almost weird to say, I don't know. I don't understand how you don't get like, we're not trying to predict outcomes at all. Like, Literally at all. What do you think is going to happen? I have no idea, nor do I care. Mm-hmm. And then people just had their heads explode and go, then what? It's like, all I need is a range of outcomes and an ownership and just like put together plus EV lineups based on that. You back test the model to make sure that, you know, obviously you're accurate enough on these range of outcomes that the range of outcomes is so fucking wide that like, what am I gaining by going into the PFF data from, you know what? Like it's not, it's it's not going to matter. I, I you saw my tweet thread. Uh, am I? If if for most people that are that are that, are, that don't play seriously, that aren't professionals or don't play seriously, do you believe? Do you believe it's? Do you believe? I, I it sounds weird to say. I think it's true. My last tweet of a, a thread I did yesterday. Mm-hmm. If you didn't do anything all week. Woke up Sunday morning at 11.30, right? Have no clue who's playing, what the totals are. <laughs> you have, you literally have never looked. You have not looked at the slate whatsoever. 11.30 Eastern, inactives come out. If you just looked at, uh, you didn't even look at projections. Like you, you're, not, you're not even looking at that. And you just go to the betting lines and go, what are the high total games? Okay, we've got uh, Kansas City, Cleveland. We got uh, Arizona, t- Tennessee. We got Seattle, Indianapolis. We got like it, the top six or whatever, right? Just like mm-hmm. out of the third, you know, the top half. And you just said, okay, I want a quarterback and two pass catchers and one from the opposing team. And then I want to correlate maybe maybe uh, another like wide receiver, opposing wide receiver correlation, maybe a running back defense, but that's not even needed. And then just a one-off running back. And I just... and. Other than the top five, maybe four to six games, and he just threw out all the other ones. Like you did, literally did not even care about them, and he just said, "How do I? How do I spend fifty thousand dollars in salary?" Right? You just go, mm, "I'm mm-hmm. gonna play. Uh, uh, I'll see if I could fit in Mahomes and Kelsey because that's that game, and put in Landry in that lineup. And then I'm gonna go to the the Falcons Eagles game, and I'm gonna go. Uh, I, I need. I, I'll put in. I'll put in a a a a. Probably can't play Calvin Ridley in that lineup. You're going to play a Devonta Smith, Mike Davis, and you take yep. two guys from there, and then you go, okay, uh, what can I take from? And like, dude, like, aren't your line? Would your lineups be any better or worse than putting in 30 hours of work throughout the week? No, they would probably be better because you. It, it's. I, I find this too. Uh, every, every Sunday morning I'm trying, you know, I, I actually don't do hardly, hardly any like tinkering and stuff on Sunday mornings at all. Now this Sunday was a little bit of a peculiar one because we had the, you know, sermon and Zach Moss and, and Odell and all that kind of stuff. But, um, 
I, I've, I've started to do that more where I, I'm just kind of reading the market on Sunday mornings. And if I think something has drastically changed, I might tinker, tinker things around, but pretty much by, you know, Saturday or sometime on Saturday, usually I'm like, all right, I know what the market is going to do. And it, it's, it, it basically is that process. I, ha I have narrowed down, you know, a subset of the games and a subset of running backs, right. And a subset of defenses. And then I just kind of start like I, I have this, you know, it's almost like if I wrote all, wrote down this, you know, here's the four running backs that like, here's the four games I like, and here's the four defenses I like. And then you just start kind of, I, I literally pretty much do just start like clicking through and like, okay, how does this fit? You know, how can I fit right. different and, and things I, together? I, I do that and, sometimes with line of HQ where I'll just eliminate every, I do that Saturday night. I go, what games do I want to play? And then remove everyone else from the player pool. And then it's just like, Build 150 lineups and let me see what's available. So I don't have right. to go back and forth. But the, the point that I'm making is that that what we do, obviously looking at projections, looking at ownership, is much, it's on top of that is much better, right? So you could see, well, you need a one-off running back from one of these teams. Well, who's the most valuable? I mean, like putting your lineup together, looking at ownership, you go, I'm going to play guys like this and you end up with a low, such a low-owned lineup or such a high-owned lineup. Like, I didn't say that that's the best way of doing so. I'm just saying that tweet was more towards the people that that email me and say, like, can you explain, like, what you do throughout the week for your research? Because, or, or the people that, I have a nine-to-five job, I don't have the time to do everything like you do. Or, you know, those types of people that on Tuesday are pouring over data, watching film, Wednesday they're reading this, they're, like, they're, they're spending, and some of that is fun. If you're doing it for fun, God bless you. That's fine. Do it. Mm -hmm. I, I, that, I'm talking about just if you want to get better at playing the game of DFS, uh, the number one thing that's the most correlative in, in NFL is team totals. So like, like if you just looked at team totals and showed up Sunday morning and built lineups with, you know, you, you're correlating just to make it easier on yourself. So you don't even have to do one. Even if you don't know that, even if you don't know ownership at all, like, I believe that for the people that that have not grasped the game theory of DFS, that if just by default, I just if I forced you to say, I don't want you to look at anything until 1130 in the morning on Sunday, I want you to tell me who, what the top team totals are. And as long as you know who's starting, right? You're not starting an injured player or something like that. Put together lineups at 50,000 and have the top five games in it. Get a running back from that game. Get a wide receiver from this game. And if you want to correlate, correlate to make it easier on yourself. I believe that you would be building better GPP lineups. This is not for cash, obviously. You'd be building better GPP lineups just doing it that way without understanding any of the game theory aspects of DFS than trying to find the wide receiver cornerback matchup or or any any of the other crap. And it sounds like, what it, what it does sound like, because obviously we both do content, it's like, well, see, so you tell like what then then you're at Roto Grinders. Like, so you, I shouldn't be reading all that stuff. I go, you should re be reading all this stuff if if they want if you want to be explain what the projections are, right? That that that's how I view it. If like if you don't feel comfortable yeah. with the projections because you're like you you feel like you're just like, oh, I don't want to just a number. They go, like, why is that guy projected that way? Why is that that to me, that's where all the information is. And then obviously strategy-based articles where it's not based around who's good. It's based around on, like we said, who's lower owned than the mark. What are better ways to get different, right? There are tons of articles like that. That's fine. But for the, like the actual plays type of things, 
Like I, I strongly believe that if you didn't listen to anything and just showed up Sunday morning and did what I said over the course of an 18 week season, I think you'd have better results. A hundred percent. And then, you know, then it becomes those, those, it, it starts that that's just like roster construction, right? Un- understanding how to build the, the, the right kinds of lineups. Right. And then, and then you like, as you like that, like you said, I, you know, I don't know if you could win just doing that, but certainly more than what I see a lot of people, you know, doing and talking about. And even some people like that I might respect or whatever, that the things that they're putting into play in their lineups um, are not necessarily even helping them, even if they think that they're, you know, predicting things better. I think it's it's arguable that that they're actually hurting themselves just strictly from a TFS tournament perspective. But then when you start to become good, and I'm not even saying like that I'm good, but any success that I've had is because uh, I took the time to spend understanding that roster construction part, right? It's like I understand, okay, here's the games that I like and here's how I would build teams in order to capitalize on that you know, that, that scenario playing out in which, you know, that, that is right. And then you do, it's basically like just a a couple of other things. We talked about the market thing. I spend all my time, like, because I know I could build a, a, like the the correlated lineup in, in 30 seconds or whatever on Sunday morning, I spend my entire time basically now looking at what the market is doing. Like I consume the content solely because I want to know, you know, who are people listening to, right? What's Silva saying? What's Levitan saying? What's Reeb saying? You know, what's what are the PFF guys saying? What are you know what are all these guys saying? Uh, what is all the content talking about, right? In terms of how how people are reacting, like we talked about on this in on this entire show, and then I will look at some data stuff myself solely to match it up to that market thing. Okay, maybe there's something, you know, like, or it's not even like that I'm necessarily doing, maybe somebody else is is doing the research and I'm just reading what they wrote. And it's just like, okay, so-and-so also played, you know, again, the example that doesn't exist, like it talks about earlier. Everybody's going to latch onto this Najee Harris thing, but maybe there's another guy that's very similar, but we're not, you know, the market isn't isn't doing that. And maybe it's not in the projections like you talked about, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, you know, everybody's going to now project Najee Harris for 100% of snaps. Maybe another guy, maybe KJ Osborne should project for X target share, but it's not going to be in those projections. Understanding that kind of stuff, because it all it all goes back to, I'm just trying to see what my opponents are doing, right? Because we've done the, the roster construction thing. I'm not trying to, you know, s- tell me who's the best pass blocking running back in the league. I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to understand you know, the overall market dynamics. And I do think there's a little bit to understanding, you know, like we all do this, but understanding that the kind of projection that, that Derrick Henry is versus the kind of projection that Christian McCaffrey is right. right? Just in terms of how they get to their projection. Um, it, that's maybe even more important in, um, NFL than, than other sports, just because of, you know, how game script can dictate things, but those are just really small nuances. And, and, you know, those don't even make that big of a deal. Right. I, I also believe that a lot of people uh, think that that they expect immediate regression. Yeah. Right. Like like it, it's one of those uh, Najee Harris. Oh, 30 point game. Right. I mean, like 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 immediate regret, like, dude, he was just unlucky or like, you know, we get we get, uh, you know, some some games where where the, the running back is is that you have is like stuffed six times at the goal line. Right. It's like, dude, he should have had three touchdowns, but he had zero. And then obviously. Now, you know, we, we say that in baseball, oh, baseball, that happens all the time, right? So, you know, bet, someone has a bad game and it's like, 
Like, nope, nope. That means they're, they're going to make it up with a 16 strikeout game. Like the next <laughs> game, like, like, no, it does. That's not, that's not how, that's not how it works. Right. Yep. So, so, uh, so th- those types of things where it's like the underlying metrics, right? The snap share, the target share, the red zone usage, all that type of stuff, which is built into projections. Maybe over the course of an 18-game season, it does regress to the mean. But it doesn't mean it has to come all the way in like one in, in one fucking game, right? Debo Samuel, okay, he can't do that again. It's like, well, who says, right? Now for the I, next 16 games, maybe he doesn't do that. But like it could happen twice in a row. Like, like, like mm-hmm. regression doesn't, doesn't just like show up like that. I stacked a- against Adam Plutko for like an entire season in baseball. <laughs> Seeing the underlying metrics going, going at some point he's giving up like six home runs in one game because this fly ball home run rate cannot be sustainable with how he pitches with a six F uh, X FIP. And it's like, okay, next game. And then you just constantly look and see 390 foot fly ball out, <laughs> 390 foot fly ball. And just like, oh, he gave up two hits. And like, what, what is he, when is he going to get, because he doesn't strike anyone out. So, and then obviously the, the time that he gets blown up, I'm on the fucking Hawaiian cruise and I couldn't benefit from it. Uh, but like, I, I'm thinking long-term when I'm doing things like that. I know that I'm not going in expecting the next game. All I know is that the, the, the underlying stats say that at some point, his, his, his base, his, uh, his uh, superficial uh, statistics are going to match his underlying statistics. So... I just want to be able to benefit from that no matter what week it is. Right. <clears throat> and so many other people are, are more willing to, are, are less willing to do so and more willing to say, uh, I'm going to jump on board. Like what's going to, Eric, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to predict an out exact outcome or I would like, I think it's funny. Uh, not everyone's going to play Najee Harris on Sunday. He's going to get six points again with a hundred percent of the, 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 the snaps. And then the week afterwards, he's going to be 8% owned and I play him and he gets 35 points. Like, like, because <laughs> they're going to jump off and go, oh, I guess, I guess is the, they're going to go, this camp, week one, it's, it's going to be, this isn't the new normal. Week two, it happens again. This is the new normal. Week three, it finally, it, you get all of that regression back in one week and no one plays. Them. What will really, what will really make him, yeah, 5% owned in the following week is if, like you talked about, Benny Snell does play. You know, twenty five or twenty. Oh, or no, no. Per, if if they play the Tampa snaps. Bay or so, if they play like a, a good rushing, quote unquote, rushing defense, right? Yes, yes. Um, that's what. That's actually what Kyle Pitts has got going for him this week. Is they get the they get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But um, yeah, I, I mean, these are just such perfect examples of like all these things, right? The the regression thing, the re- under or overreacting what's in the projections, all these li- little things that just kind of like summarize to me, like how little we know about any of this stuff, because like you said, week to week, especially in the NFL, you know, by the end of a baseball season, like maybe we have a little bit better idea, but even then, like, you know, they got guys that have been in AAA all year and we, and we still don't know, but like, we just really don't know like anything. And so that's, I, I keep trying to, you know, like you can have opinions. I have I played the Panthers not just because they were like leverage is leverage leverage is great but like leverage that doesn't have the requisite upside to win you anything it's kind of like cutting off your nose to spite your face you know Jimmy G right in theory you could say Jimmy G to George Kittle was a leverage play off of Mostert it kind of did end up becoming that but we talked about why Jimmy G actually was was kind of cutting off your nose to spite your face but like 
like I played the Panthers passing game because it was part of my belief that like the market was wrong on them. Right now, soon this season, we're going to kind of know what all these teams are. And then it really will pretty much just become like leverage and leverage and, and game theory. But even right now, like it's totally fine to have like if you have a take, like I know you don't have those, but like it's totally fine if someone wants to say, I believe in X offense or whatever. I think that they're the market is wrong on them. Great. But like you can't that can't be everything. You can't be like, I know I'm right about this offense. I know I know that this outcome is going to happen. It is so much more about, about this other stuff. And like, I even come to realize that more and more, you know, like I, I did tons of like all this best ball stuff up to you're talking about football every day for, for months or whatever you get attached to names, right? That's just how, that's just how it goes. But, you know, making sure that's, what's helpful to like do the Sunday show with Gretch or talk to people like you or whatever that keeps everybody's mind fresh on like what we're really trying to to accomplish here. And so then on Sunday, right, it, like you said, if everybody's going to pile on Najee Harris, like, OK, I, I agree that he's probably going to bounce back to the regression thing. But that doesn't mean it doesn't he could bounce back and score 16 fantasy points. Like right. That, and not that, be that, in the winning lineup. He'd be fine. He could be. He yeah. could be there. Yeah. It's just it's just that, that like there's so much more in, important stuff. And so uh, I, like I was already seeing, you know, I mean, on top of. Uh, I probably could recite everybody's snap counts based on my Twitter feed because How about it's the little... air yards. Do you have everyone's air yards? Not yet, but give me a few hours and okay. I'll probably have the air yards <laughs> figured out. Um, uh, and people don't like when you joke about that kind of stuff too. I mean, I was just like making a joke, like Jesus Christ, everybody could go look up snap counts if they really wanted to. But my entire, I think, you know, I'm just scrolling snap count, snap count, snap count. People don't like it when you make fun of, uh, no, I think uh, it's more, it's more of the, the, a lot, like a lot of people do it. Like so, it's, many. it's 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 more it's more of a joke about your own feed than for the other because I did this I did a vote poll like that because it's not like I don't mind saying oh so and so had a snap whatever Snapchat whatever like it's just it. it's yeah. just that I'm following twenty people that are also doing the same exact thing <laughs> and and now people do it like Nathan. I don't know how to say his last name, Janky, Janky, or so he's from, he's from PFF. He's live tweeting it during games, which actually I also find interesting. Um, so like, I like that he's doing it, but now it's like, okay, all game. I'm like, even during the games, my Twitter feed is snap counts. And then the next morning and then the next afternoon and everybody's posting it. And sometimes, you know, uh, they're applying context and sometimes they're not. So it's just, it's just they're funny, chasing but, engagement. Uh, that's, that's, that's yeah. I mean, that's, as someone who also does their own engagement farming, I can appreciate some, you know, people chasing chasing some engagement. There's a reason why, like, I make fun of running backs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm, but, I'm, uh, I'm doing a lot more threads now. They work, I, 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 learned, I learned that from Joe like, Holka. Yeah, Joe Joe Holka. Joe Holka has his, threads inside of threads. It's the inception. His stuff yeah, is like Twitter inception. Right. <laughs> I think all of his tweets are tied to each other. I think to some extent. I know. He's what's the 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 meme or the gif of Charlie from Always Sunny where he's got you know he's got all the yeah, on like the all board of the like conspiracy that. theory that's Joe's like room no because there's a lot of things that I don't like writing articles or anything yeah. and I have thoughts about you know whatever and people may not be watching shows and I'm like let me point something out but you only get 280 characters so you can't can't put anything in there so it's like okay I'm gonna here's here's what would normally be like a a 500 word blog post. Yeah. Like, but I'm just doing it in, in Twitter threads and putting yeah. screenshots or something like that. And hopefully people could, could learn from that if they're not, you know, seeing me, you know, bitch and moan on, on shows and yell, play whoever you want. And I, and I like it. Like, I think people, you know, everybody has their own Twitter experience, but I feel like so many people, 
uh, just like assume the other person is either an idiot on the opposite end, right? They're doom scrolling and they're like, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. So I'm going to tell him why he's wrong. Like I post so many things and people are like replying with like, well, yeah, so-and-so, you know, like I posted something about like Josh Jacobs and stuff and they're like, well, you know, Josh Jacobs, uh, you know, he got dinged up. I'm like, no shit. I watched the game. Like, I know right. you don't have to tell, you know, you don't have to correct me. Like, I, I know these things. Uh, but then the other thing is, I think people think the other person has like a ill intent with, with whatever it is that, that they're saying, you know, like, or like, I'm trying to like, pre- like sound like this super smart guy or whatever. Like, right. I don't well, that's think what I'm every, that smart. That's what everyone thinks like, says about you're me. being an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're thinking people you're, think like, that, trying- you're not, I don't, I, I get you two comments every once in a while. Like, like this show would be so much better if it wasn't for the know-it-all asshole. I'm like, I'm what? Am, do I? I'm I'm just a New Yorker. I mean, yeah, right. Like, if you know me, like, like I remember Ben Ben, ben Pritchett uh, had a tweet like a while, long time ago, uh, uh, saying that like uh, I'm I'm endearing, like, because he because we we went to a soccer game together, uh, and 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 he's and he's like uh, he's like. I'm the most endearing, like, if you don't know him, like, he's someone that has no problem talking to anyone and sharing everything that he that he knows. Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing hidden and just enjoy talking about it. So it may come across as, like, right. oh, there's this know-it-all asshole blunt or whatever. It's like, that's just me being a New Yorker. And it's also me, like, no, I literally, like, if you don't know this, I want to, te- I want to teach you. And if you have questions, I have no problem answering. But, like... Like, I'm not doing this to say, oh, look at me. I'm so much smarter than everyone. It's like, no, it's like, here's stuff that people don't write. Maybe they don't write and debate and go, I don't think so because of yeah. that. Okay, I'm I'm fine. I'm fine with that also. But it's like the other tweets are the ones that I'm making fun of people. I mean, the, when you put yeah, in GIFs and imagine this and, and I mean, the only, the only bad, the only bad tweet that, that d- deserves to be ridiculed is that plastic straws. Uh, paper straws are worse than plastic straws. There's, there's no there's, pa- anything past about two minutes. Paper straws turn into like, well, you don't want to put your mouth on that. That's Adam. We Adam is being an asshole, and he is absolutely engagement farming with with that one too. I don't know where that one came from. I, I can't co-sign co-sign that one. But I think, like, yeah, it's and my 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 big thing is like, I'm not even like necessarily trying to say that I'm right about anything. Like, like this is my Twitter experience. I'm like, like I said, this is my random musing on a Tuesday morning, right? As that we talked about some of the things that I mentioned, like in a, in a, in a couple of tweets, I'm just posting whatever crazy shit comes to my mind. There, there's tons of shit that I've posted on Twitter over the last, you know, over the last years, but definitely over the last, you know, four or five months that like my opinion has changed on. And some of that's because people reply like, well, no, what do you, I think this or, or whatever. And I'm like, no, that makes sense. You know, it takes mean? exposed. Uh oh, yeah, takes exposed. Yeah. But like, I'm willing. I'm willing to to be wrong. I'm not trying to like lecture or whatever. I'm like, here's what I'm thinking. You know, maybe you think something different. Maybe you agree. Whatever. I don't care. I think that's a fun. That's more of a fun Twitter Twitter experience. But everybody just assumes that like, oh, look at him. He thinks he's smarter than everybody. Or oh, everybody has a weird Twitter. Is a is a is a bizarre place. It's either people telling you how stupid you are, or people even if they don't tell you, they're like, oh, this guy's just a fucking asshole. He thinks he's super smart or it's the opposite sometimes it ends up being too much too much too much yes yes yeah. right so too yeah. too much of a love fest over certain things especially calls and takes and stuff that's that's because the, the way i play i don't anyone that says oh look i i got a couple of takes riders like, how much money did you win oh no i, I lost okay so who gives a fuck right like like i i i won i have a twitter guy uh, on the past the last episode with jm to win 
that mm-hmm. uh, apparently uh, uh, someone that, since I don't love football, like no one should support uh, 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 the podcast or the course. Or there, there are plenty of other people that know what they're talking about that also love football. So, so me not watching the games, which I do watch the games, but not yeah. to research it or anything. That, but that's the type. That's the type. To me, that's the type of stuff where I'm like, like, dude, like I'm, what you like? I the thing is, is that the I know I know the the, the psychology of those types of people because I I could be that type of person. Mm-hmm. Right. That's Oh, there's something wrong on the internet. I have to fix it. Right. Type of <laughs> type of right. like, Oh, I can't get, I feel like yelling at this guy, but I, I, I want to make myself feel better by, by saying something. Uh, and I've tried to try to basically not do that as much yeah. anymore. Uh, so I know the other side of like, like the, to me, the longer they reply, the less likely I respond. Right. Cause all they, all yeah. they want is the words like, like they want the response, the response to the guy that uh, on the YouTube chat or whatever YouTube uh, comment, that's like, uh, like uh, you don't love football and blah blah. Why should we listen to you and yippee doo da day? Uh, I'm like, uh, uh, yeah. I, I my goal is to make money. Like that's like like that's like yep. Because that's what it, that if you want to learn how to make money and you want to play like I do, that's what it is. As far as like football, I don't care. It's like. So if you if you decide to like oh I'm not gonna I, I don't like it because you don't like football then fine, why did you have to write 700 paragraphs? I mean like you reply to each one. So I just like like dude like I'm I'm secure enough I'm not in, I'm not insecure to have to respond to every one of a paragraphs worth of comments. It's just like I'll let you just speak into the void. I'll mute you on Twitter. I'll block you or whatever. Typically right. I only block Eric. I I only block because I keep Twitter notifications on for replies mm-hmm. but i'm not gonna uh, if you're gonna be an asshole and reply four times to the same like then then you're blocked right like yeah. it's uh, not a mute it's not a just like like dude like i'm not gonna te- like a lot of times even when i subtweet i purposely do it so i don't want to bother the because per- i'm doing it as a joke a lot of times anyway so it's like i don't want to tab him tagged and then people respond back to that and then their phone is going fucking off it's like it, it was a joke to begin with it's not something that that they should be bothered. I don't mind being bothered with, but I, I don't, is this too detailed into, into Twitter engagement? Nothing is ever too detailed into, into Twitter engagement. It's a wild, it's a God, it's a, it's a shit show of a, a of a space. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's just like with DFS, like, don't take I, it I so seriously. Every, don't take it so seriously. We're just trying to have fun. Like, I'm just trying to, we're trying to make money. And have fun. That's all. That's, that's all it. I really care about. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm approaching my mid thirties. I'm not getting it. I'm not getting any younger. Uh, I'm just trying to make as much money as I can and have as much fun as I can. The a, end of discussion. You don't have to correct everything that I say that I'm wrong about. You can try and quote tweet me and dunk on me all you want. I'm just. If it makes you feel better, go for it. But we're all just trying to have fun and make some money. Someone respond to my poll tweets from Friday about the leverage plays. Saying, oh, you're just doing this so you could figure out who people are playing. So, like, dude. <laughs> like, number one is, like, the 671 replies. Like, I'm not I'm not affecting ownership. Nor, and also, based on the, the, the responses on the polls, I don't think my followers are all that smart to begin with. So, so like, it's not going to, it's not going to matter that much when, when I try to make those questions as easy. It. Eric, do I don't I make those questions like almost yes. too easy? 
it's, it's so blatantly obvious. I, I I do get a good chuckle out of them. Every like so week. so I I always come back and because because people will re- respond back. Oh, it's this because of this and that because of this, and it's like like dude, who are the highest dumb players on the slate? And who's negatively correlated to them? That's the answer. End of story. <laughs> like, there's nothing... Like, I'm doing it on purpose like that. So, no, there's no nuance of, like, well, it could be... I'm purposely putting in other wide receivers that, like, yes, co- like, like th- th- this wide receiver has... Like, no one's playing this game. Like, Devontae Parker is not the answer to the, to the <laughs> leverage question. Uh, I, I have to fathom that the people res- that were responding wrong are just people that don't, that don't know the ownership. Cause I got that last year also. Like last, like I got responses last year because I was because some new people thought I that because people would respond. I think it's this because of X because this guy's they're they're applying the concept correctly, but they're mm-hmm. like because uh uh so and so is going to be chalky so it's going to be this guy and it's like the guy they're talking about is projected to be three percent owned so I'm like like how do, how do you figure that so and so is going to be chalky well because of the matchup this and that and that's like like dude he's not going to be he's not going to be owned. Like, so yeah. like, like, oh no, it's this guy because so-and-so is going to be 18% on like, no, he's going to be like 4% though. Like, like, how are you <laughs> that off? I'm like, like, dude, I just like, I picked the three guys that are against the guys that are going to be 25% owned. Like, like, yes, it's, 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 it's whoever's negatively correlated to Marcus Calloway and Kyle Pitts and Marvin Jones and Christian McCaffrey. Like, it's not. It's not rockets, and it also. What does it help me? Like it doesn't yeah, help. It doesn't. Like how could it? Like I'm just. It's it's literally the just the answer to the question. Russell Gage, obviously, did not do well, right? <laughs> but he was obviously negatively correlated to Kyle, if Kyle Pitts is going to be chalky and Ridley's going to be chalky and Mike Davis is going to be chalky and Matt Ryan will get a little bit of ownership. It's like, well, who's the god guy out that could? Have, well, Russell Gage. That does. Mm-hmm. And now, if if ninety percent of people responded to Russell Gage, like how does how does that affect me? Like I, oh now now I now I've moved up the needle on Russell Gage, so now now I play more Kyle Pitts. Like how, how, does, how does that work? Oh, My polls don't move is... the market. No, nor it would move no. the market in the direction I would want. If anything, yeah. I would not make the question at all and just play Russell Gage at point eight percent. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like I'm actually hurting myself. If anything. Okay. Uh, no best ball screenshots for you? Week one best ball no, screenshots? You're not into no, that? No, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Victory La- lapping La- the first week? No? Yeah. There's, Latavius there's Murray, may, you may get bailed out on that. Uh, the, I will victory lap. <laughs> this is exactly how I predicted it, by the way. The, <laughs> the guy I was drafting in the 12th round was going to be so bad that he gets cut <laughs> by the team that I drafted him for. And then he's going to go, and then not one, not two, but three running backs on the best running team in the NFL are going to get injured in the preseason, mm-hmm. and he and he's going to step into that role. And then the the rookie or the you know the the Tyson Williams in front of him is going to. So speaking about trying to predict outcomes, good luck with that one. But right. uh, you know, best balls, no best ball screenshots for me. Um, but uh, we are, you know, best ball season is still alive and well. These sites are not giving me any time off because NBA has been launched and NHL has been launched already. So I'm figuring out uh, how to fit that into uh, into NFL season. Um, so it's fun. It's fun time. So I'm, I am enjoying it, actually. Right. And I got soccer coming up and then MMA I play on Saturday. So it's all busy all the time. So Eric for on Twitter, if you want his his musings, his nihilistic musings. <laughs> uh, and Twitter threads and my and my and my stuff also at Blender HD. 
And as always, you get the theory of daily fantasy sports. It's 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com.